Hello, musical theatre fans. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. Big episode today, jam-packed. Today, we are joined by two incredible musical theatre performers and arguably two of our premier Sondheim interpreters, Ellie Nunn and Alex Young. Alex Young, of course, is, like episode three guest Courtney Bowman, a winner of the Stephen Sondheim Society Student Performer of the Year competition. And she has gone on to star in so many great Sondheim shows, including the National Theatre's Follies with Imelda Staunton, Terry Gilliam's Into the Woods, and she even played Mayor Cora Hoover Hooper in Southwark Playhouse's Anyone Can Whistle. If you can imagine that, getting paid to pretend to be a mayor, it's undignified to get paid to do that. Undignified. For about one more week, Alex is starring in Standing at the Sky's Edge at the National, which I managed to go and see this week, and it is so, so, so good. Um, annoyingly, it's very sold out, but there's always a possibility of getting some returns or day seats. I think if you queue up at 10am, you can get some day seats. So for the next few days, try and go to see Standing at the Sky's Edge at the National. It's so, so good. You will not regret it. As for Ellie Nunn, you've probably seen her in one of her frequent cabaret performances or as part of shows like The Game of Love and Chance at the Arcola Theatre or Shakespeare in Love at the Noel Coward or even on screen in films like Cracks or even EastEnders recently. And the reason these two are appearing together on this podcast is they have a show together at the Crazy Cox in London on April 16th. And we talk about that show in the episode a bit, but if you've seen either of these two perform before, you'll know this is going to be a wild, wild evening. So book your tickets now. Also, if you're a Sondheim fan, and if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you are, there's another great show for you if you're really, really quick. Um, Upstairs at the Gatehouse in Highgate Village, London, on Sunday, March 26th, just a couple of days after this show goes out, but get in there quick, Ellie is hosting a Stephen Sondheim Society event called Merrily We Sing Along, which is going to be a super fun sing-along of Sondheim tunes to celebrate the late great composer's birthday. I'll be at both the Sondheim show and at the Crazy Cox show, so come along and sing along and do say hi if you see me. I'll be there. Probably not wearing a hat, but I'll be there. As always, remember to check out musicaltheaterreview.com for all the latest news, reviews and interviews on everything on stage, backstage and worldwide. Follow us at at musicalmayorpod. And let's get straight into this extra packed episode of Musical Theatre Delights. Enjoy the fantastic Ellie Nunn and Alex Young. It's a fun one. It's a long one, but it's a fun one. and Julie Norman didn't. Mm. Gosh, it was romantic. Welcome to the Mayor of Musical Theatre podcast. I am composer, reviewer, photographer, and now podcaster slash fake Mayor Ian Boquet, but I am far less worthy of the title of Mayor of Musical Theatre than either of my guests today. That's right, guests. Two powerhouse musical theatre talents are here to discuss their favourite shows. And that means, excitingly, I get to be lazy and you guys can do the introductions for me. So (laughs) let's start with you. Alex Young, would you mind introducing our listeners to the phenomenon that is Ellie Nunn? Oh, well, look, here is Ellie Nunn, the most glorious person, (laughs) wonderful actress, fantastic chanteuse, uh, star of many a cabaret, generally called (laughs) Ellie Nunn sings Sondheim at People. And she's one of the most wonderful exponents of our late, great Stephen Sondheim. Oh, is that nice? That's so nice. Thank you. And all true. Yes, yeah, so true. true as well. <laughs> <laughs> this is Alex and she's a friend of a friend. So, <laughs> Which is also true. Yeah. <laughs> we are, of course, deeply privileged today to be joined by the extraordinary Alex Young, who I have no doubt will be the reason most people have clicked to listen to this link. Um, so I'm so glad Alex introduced me first. Uh, 
you know, one of our our prime actors through songs of the next upcoming generation. That's right. I'm putting you in my generation. <laughs> That's very kind of and uh, star Offie nominated star of the recent reproduction of Anyone Can Whistle. Um, frequently called the next Imelda Staunton, which I think. Gosh. Uh, I know, no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> what, so, <laughs> and, and frequent abbreviator of words to sound young and, and hip, <laughs> hip and cool. <laughs> uh, <to> try- <laughs> I don't even bother with a P. <laughs> <laughs> ah, just here. <laughs> just all round phenomenal friend. Oh, so really lovely. Nice. How long have you two been friends so far? Barely any time at all. No, yeah, this is very true. <laughs> this is very true. We first met, was it two, two summers ago? Yeah, I think I think Ian's under the impression that we're very old friends. Yeah, I thought you vaguely knew each other, but here we go. No, no isn't no, no. that mad? We met yesterday. Oh, yeah. uh, she was scrabbling around in the bins. I said, <laughs> are you an actress? And she said, yes. <laughs> I said, let's do a show. Um, we met, so a few summers ago, I was in a sort of post-COVID uh, attempt at, at comedy called The Game of Love and Chance, which was one of the first things back. So we were contending with all sorts of we were in the new Arcoda outside and sort of battling against the Dalston traffic I I feel like quite quickly we discovered that that didn't necessarily work as a venue (laughs) Uh, but with the most sort of well-intentioned and and really brilliant farce which Alex came to see one night and saw me being utterly bonkers no brilliant (laughs) hilarious I really really laughed I and um you won't mind me saying it was a fairly quiet audience that night apart yeah, from like me you. just going ah! <laughs> but uh seeing seeing another funny woman on stage I is always a deep deep joy for me and she was incredibly funny so I've basically just I sucked up to you for the whole night having you a drink did. afterwards you did <laughs> in really, a wonderful really way and then I went to see Alex in Anyone Can Whistle <laughs> and as I'm sure people would agree in another utterly bonkers <laughs> performance and it's so much slotted into place i thought oh that's why she loved what i was doing because yeah. we're the same person yes. and um but and and very genuinely i think that that's part of where this friendship came from was the discovery of someone else with a passion for character parts and pushing i think alex and i share a proclivity to trying things out and you just see what you just sort of see if it lands or not. And sometimes you'll hit gold, and sometimes you'll, you'll hit absolutely dire death. death. <laughs> but that's in but itself I that very funny. Excited, but that's it, and that's I think both, neither of us take ourselves too seriously on those fronts. Yeah. And then, but then with the shared absolute passion for Sondheim and lyric, and uh, I think a real belief in treading that line between this sort of heightened form and then this utter naturalism and and truthfulness that in some ways I think the industry is quite keen to siphon us off into character actors and sort of straight actors Mm. and I really recognize that they're so two sides of the the same coin and I think was very excited and thrilled to find someone passionate about both Mm. extremes um well, you mentioned Sondheim there, who's a great one for writing roles like that, who it is a character role. It could just be a little bit of a quirky person, but there's so much depth there. Yes. Yeah, yeah, totally. Uh, but but not always more than one like that in any show. I think Sondheim more than mm. anyone Tried. writes, yes, writes as many fantastic uh, female roles per show that he can, because I think he was just genuinely interested and fascinated <laughs> by the terror that is woman. Um, mm. But no, we do find that in 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 sh- in shows, there's sort of one funny, 
and one sort of beautiful slash sad yes slash romantic and i think one of the ways that we discovered this was on the first night that we met mm. we both very excitably were were sort of talking about what roles that we could do together and we kept <laughs> saying shows and going oh, oh. we both sort of played dot that, in that yeah. so, oh oh we could do oh no we both sort of yeah. quite well cast as that part yeah. and there was a sort of slow realization that there was only sort of one in each mm. show and i think in that moment it's like thinking of oh god we're the same casting bracket and so we're very fascinated in yes. what happens if you put two of us on stage <laughs> well speaking of crazy cox coming up soon yes. um what's the vibe of that going to be is this you exactly finding that. those roles where you can both be playing at the same time yes it's sort of an exploration yeah. isn't it it's an it's an exploration of of I, I like to think it's sort of what happens if you meet your casting your sort of fellow casting bracket yes. and you lean into it and you say this is it's mad to encourage I think women in particular in this industry are put into such a scarcity complex and such a, a sense that you are sort of umbilically attached to other women's success and therefore other women's success implies that yours goes down mm. as if you're sort of through a kind of cord on a pulley system mm. and I just think how extraordinary if you're able to lean into it and I one I have to say this no one is more supportive than Alex and no one lifts other people up more than Alex does in terms of uh I so quickly noticed about you that if there was a job that Alex couldn't make she'll say I put you up for that I've said that you should be they, you should be asked to do this instead or whatever. And that, so when I say this in secret, you're like, I've been bad-mouthing <laughs> the casting directors. Yeah. And I just, no yes. one gives the I impression of lifting. Yeah. <laughs> no one is as good as pretending to be nice. No. <laughs> and I just think that what we would like to do, and hopefully the first of many, but is to uh, to show that it's possible for two women to occupy that space mm. fully and as fully leaning into themselves and both comedically and, um, you know, devastatingly, devastatingly heartbreaking, heartbreaking. Uh, without having to um, one sort of fit around the other to yes. make it palatable. Mm. Um, and it could be a total disaster. It could not work at all. Mm. We may at the end of the evening discover that we should absolutely <laughs> be rivals and that there is only room for one. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So it's a cage match. Okay. Yeah, you know. exactly. <laughs> a, su a supportive cage match. By the end, it would just come like smash. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so while putting this show together, have you come up with any shows where you think you could both be cast? Is there anything in the musical theatre canon maybe? Well, we've just been talking about Guys and Dolls and... Mm. Um, yes, Adelaide Alex was and... talking very articulately about... Um... Well, no, that, uh, that that is one show from a Golden Age era where there are two really extraordinary, really rich female characters who both are funny, who are both romantic, who are both devastating at, in turns. Uh, and then they finally have that scene together at the end. And the song they get is Marry the Man Today. And so disappointing. It is disappointing. It's a really, it's, an, it's, it's a great song. On it. You know, you can't deny it. the lyrics witty. It's great fun. And it doesn't demean them necessarily they still very much hold the integrity of their characters in that song but it's just a slightly disappointing moment where mm. they're talking about let's just get married to these terrible men and then try and solve them and i just think that's it's it sort of does them does them a bit of a disservice and does their relationship with their man a bit of a disservice because yeah. yeah they don't want they don't want to i mean there's no way that sarah would fancy sky if 
he was suddenly like, you know, doing the washing up. She'd be like, no, that's not who I love. Yeah. Like, it'd be nice if he occasionally would do the washing up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, no. So it's it's sort of, it's a real disappointment. And God, it'd be lovely to <laughs> find a sort of fantasy football league version of that song. We could just find a really great song to put in instead of that. But Yes, yeah. 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 No, I, I first saw both of you in, in Sondimes. I believe it was probably Follies that I first saw. If ah. I hadn't already seen you doing a Sondheim cabaret event. Very good. And of course, Ellie, I've seen you do your um, sing Sondheim at people's shows. <laughs> and I think the first time I met you, though, was at another Sondheim Society cabaret. That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you both get involved with Sondheim Society? Um, I know, Alex Young, you are the student performer of the year for what year was it? Who has known? That's not important. <laughs> And you, well, you've done that. You've been a judge. You've you've submitted a song. You yeah. You've done pretty much everyone. You're hosting this year as well. I am. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Oh, incredible. Yeah. So I've I basically got my bingo. I submitted a song. <laughs> I, I know you're like the equivalent of an epoch. Yeah. Yeah. I I was obviously in the competition. I submitted a song for the new writing part of the competition when it was uh, paired with the Stars and True Prize. And um, and I've sang at it since, and yeah, now hosting it. So for, oh, I judged it; that was fun. Oh, of course. Um, and then yes, and now hosting it. So I feel very, very lucky. I'm very uh, since uh, doing the competition all oh, the years ago. Um, yeah, the Santa Society have been great supporters of mine, and um, I have a lovely time with them. And I've I've done as much as I can <laughs> with them for them. Done a, a load of concerts and masterclasses and stuff because i think that their love for his work is just joyous <laughs> and they are the kindest nicest people so yeah i felt very very lucky to have maintained a, an association with all those good people well speaking of kind and nice i got a guest question from craig glenday the chair oh. of the sometimes society um he asks is there a stage in the uk that you haven't at one point or another fallen off <laughs> Actually, mm. another thing that Alex and I have in tre tremendously in common, which is <laughs> falling off stages, falling off and falling over on yes. stages. There isn't time oh, in my no. career for me to go back to every stage I've fallen over on. Gosh, is there? Uh, now, there's obviously a few I haven't fallen actually off because that that <laughs> does take quite some doing. But I think I have fallen over on nearly every stage I've performed on. Yeah, probably. I mean, good work. Incredible. I mean, not. In Follies, it was the night, thank goodness, it was the performance before the streamed NT Live performance. Oh. <laughs> uh, I sort of appeared um, on top of this rubble. I don't know if you remember the big yeah, seating rubble. And my first entrance, I, I appear at the top and sort of look around wistfully in a, in a ghostly sort of way. And then suddenly... I was upside down <laughs> uh, and Cece Strallen was next to me. We both came up and she sort of looked at me. We looked at each other in a wistful, ghostly way. And then when she looked back, I was not there. <laughs> I was upside down, my feet dangling, my head down in the rubble. And then I sort of, and I sort of, and then I got myself up and, um, uh, you know, suffering the enormous embarrassment of ghosts don't trip. Uh, and then sort of got on the revolve amazingly didn't fall again and then did my first little bit with Imelda and then we both exit the same way and we always we used to have about a, a five little five minute break before we'd go both have to go back on for beautiful girls and we'd always have a little chat see how he was doing and she went what happened 
I said, oh, oh I oh, bloody fell over. It's so stupid. And I was a little bit shaken. She was like, fine. My first beautiful girl's entrance down the stairs. I'll fall over. Character choice. It's character choice. Very strong. <laughs> Sally just falls say, over. Very strong character choice, actually. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sally. Sally falls over. <laughs> There's a show we could do in our... 50s, There's 60s, it. Later. Yes. Yes. Do a Phyllis and Sally. Yeah. You should come back to that part. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, my God. And you'd be a great Phyllis. Good. Sorted. That's Sorted. it. We're well, even more Sally excited about this show now. That's <laughs> yeah. incredible. But they don't have a duet. We'll, we'll write one. Oh, fine. Yeah, you can just write another song then. Yes, just add one to the fine. show. Exactly. Oh, no, no. Are we going to ex- get some of that as well? As you're hosting the Sondheim Society Merrily We Sing Along soon. Yes, We're going to be falling over on stage. Probably. I think it's going to be a fun night. <laughs> Probably. It will. Also, I'd just like to put out there, I'd like to judge the students on time. Craig, get me to judge it yeah, um uh, yes we're going to be doing a lovely i think in two weeks time so on the 26th we're going to do uh an evening of sondheim it's funny someone pointed out to me because i've been doing this show for years called ellie nunn sing sondheim at people and someone's just so quickly said it's people sing sondheim at ellie nunn and i thought oh my gosh and a wonderful lovely. full circle moment. Uh, so yes, we're just currently to, uh, sort of working out what um, what we can project lyrics onto on stage. And I think there's going to be some students there from the um, Performer of the Year and uh, Al Brookshaw, I think, is going to come along oh. and sing. It's just going to be a lovely, dreamy Sunday afternoon. Upstairs at the Gatehouse, and right? Upstairs at the Gatehouse, yes. Which is a great venue. Oh, yes, lovely. I'm really looking forward to that one. Are there any things you want to tease that people can look out for? Any particular songs? Any particular... Um... Well, I, I mean, I think the very first thing I said to Greg when he suggested it to me was just, oh, yes, I think everyone would like to sing Sunday and have a cry. Yeah. Um, I When when Sondheim passed away, I was in New York and I just wasn't brave enough to go to Times Square and in that mass sing along with Sunday because I, I was just grieving too hard. I was so mm. devastated and I, I was just too emotional to go. And I'll always regret it because I can't imagine how extraordinary it must have been. But I can't even watch the footage of it without bursting. I, I just find it very, very overwhelming. So maybe this is my chance. To, mm. It'll be exactly the same as mm. Lin-Manuel Miranda yeah, leading <laughs> Sunday on the Sunday after <laughs> Sondheim's death in Times Square. Me upstairs at the gatehouse. Uh, Sondheim's often held up as the sophisticated height of musical theatre. Was he your introduction to musical theatre? What was? Is there a show that first got you to fall in love with musical theatre? Well, I mean, I have my father was a uh, is a director god don't let him hear me saying was a director that was terrible <laughs> um hello mayor of musical theater from the future here um just want to add a bit of context ellie mentions her parents a couple of times during this podcast and they are for context the director trevor nunn and the actor imogen stubbs back to ellie so i I think I, my technically, I think technically I was introduced to musical theatre by Cats and Les Mis. Um, but I did very, very early on get introduced to Sondheim via sort of cassette tapes by a wonderful woman who taught me singing. And so I was this very strange eight-year-old listening to um, Into the Woods and Company on cassette and Sweeney Todd. And so that was sort of my, my introduction. And Cats. And mm, Cats. They're, they're basically the same. Yeah, Sweeney oh. Todd and Cats, massive overlap. <laughs> Both very experimental. Lots of leg warmers. <laughs> so I'm just thinking, imagining Sweeney having Len a, doing his dance with yeah. his claw hands. <laughs> Amazing. Although Angela Lansbury in that very first production with those buns. Quite cats, yeah. Quite catty. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and your introduction to musical theatre? Well, mine is, uh, we listen to a lot of Ella Fitzgerald in my house and I think 
it was listening to her repertoire and then like falling in love with all those songs that I didn't even realize really were from musicals. Mm. So a lot of Cole Porsche and mm. la la. And um, so that was probably where, yeah, where my love of those songs and that golden age period came from, I think. So yeah, because I was obsessed with Night and Day and Lovely and Easy to Love and Ladies mm. a Tramp. Oh my God, what a banger when you're <laughs> four years old <laughs> going, Ladies a Tramp. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was probably via her. She was she was sort of my way in. That's the yeah. fantastic thing about Cole Porter shows. You go to one and you realise, you know, every single song, yeah. word for word, beat yeah. for beat. Yeah, yeah. It's classic after classic. Yep, and put together with generally really brilliant books as well. Yeah, so yeah. witty. So, so, so funny. Fun. Do, you, do you remember the first show you went to go see? I think my first West End show was, I think it was Cats, actually. Yeah, I think mine was Cats. Yeah. Oh. With that revolving auditorium. Yeah. What a, I mean, and I do think, like, what a first introduction. No wonder I, mean, I wanted to go into that. I was, I sold. I, I wanted, Well, I wanted to be a dancer. Um, oh. Right up until I was, like, 18. Yeah. Can't you tell? I used to sit on, physique. I, well, this is the thing. I used to sit on the loo and pray. Like, really pray really hard that I'd be as thin as a girl in my school who went to the Royal Ballet called Tara McDonald. I say, please, can I be as thin as Tara McDonald and then I can be a ballet dancer? <laughs> but never, I, I never honestly was I. think it's like a huge part of why Alex and I turned to comedy. It was because I used to sit and watch that VHS of cats and just go, please let me be the white cat. Please let me be the oh. white cat. And yeah, was really determined. And, and I think it's funny though because we, we, Write off cats. It, obviously, it was bonkers, and it was it. It's sort of strange to imagine now something like that ever existing. Mm. But it isn't this extraordinary introduction, especially over to the UK, of the triple threat and the mm. the what's required from it, and what they did with that set, and yes. especially in the now Gillian with the revolving auditorium and the the um the experience of it. And I just think of a time and where obviously there was just so much more funding in theatre, but the the in the same vein as sort of Starlight Express and of these immersive, extraordinary yeah. event pieces. Event really. pieces where the calibre nowadays, if we think of an event piece, you think you know, Mamma Mia the Party or something where it's like it's immersive, but we slightly assume that the immersiveness of it is at the sacrifice of the kind of um integrity of the people or whatever. But the the scale of them was so wondrous. I just had to go to Disneyland Paris for a friend's birthday. I won't be returning. And oh. uh, <laughs> sorry to be a killjoy. I know lots of people love Disney, but I don't. Uh, and I was on Pirates of the Caribbean at the ride. And I, I, this little bit of me thought, it must be extraordinary if you have a child with you who can't see the tiles of the ceiling and who honestly thinks that that's just the night sky. And it really makes me think of being that age and going to see things like Cats and how completely... Um, not just awe-inspiring, but sort of sucked in mm. you were in a way where now it, we're so aware of the mm. mechanics of everything. Mm. Yeah. Um, no, Cats is a perfect musical for a child in that way, oh. isn't it? It's, oh, yeah. it's a whole world and it's unlike anything you see in any other medium yeah. anywhere. It, extraordinary. And can you imagine it happening now? Like a new no. musical right off the bat, you know, no bloody tryouts, no, no, no. A complete new musical opening in the West End in a giant venue that's a dance show, firstly, based on some random poems that not actually that many people had heard of. No. I mean, it, that would never happen now. There would not be the About balls. About cats. About cats. <laughs> there would not be the balls on any producer to do no. that. So always, always credit to uh, 
to the to the folks that that, that gave that the green light. But um, well done, Trev. Uh, yeah, well done, Trev. Um, um, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's an amazing piece. And I, I remember when I saw it uh, in the interval, the the Siamese cat. Uh, was in she the was audience. So she was so sexy. Oh but she was eat, eating a man in the audience's ice cream. Stop it. She was sort of sat on his lap and stroking. I remember he had a bald head and stroking his head and just eating his ice cream. And I was like, they, they must have had a blast. That's so mm. powerful. Like, is that where your anyone can whistle decision to sit on men's laps? <laughs> well, and I didn't. Came I, from. I didn't. You were just living out your Siamese I didn't know cat that, dreams. But maybe that's just <laughs> been subconsciously in me the whole time. I'm just like, I just want to sit on men's laps and, and eat that ice cream and <laughs> and stroke their heads. Yeah, it's pretty much that was pretty oh. much my anyone can whistle performance. <laughs> So in an alternate reality where you hadn't both gone to see Cats and both got into the world of musical theatre, mm. what do you imagine the other one would be doing with their lives? Oh, God. I... What? She must have she some skills. Doing? No, no. no <laughs> I, I feel like, because you're very academic, you're a very clever girl, I think you could be f foreign office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some sort of gla glamorous foreign office person. I don't want you to do anything else. No, I well, just want you to do this. Okay, um, I think we'd both probably naturally both be quite good teachers. But I mean, I, I am quite a good teacher. Well, I, well, that's what I mean. Is that I mean that feels like cheating because we both do that as well. But yeah. that's sort of the. Uh, but um, my mum was a teacher for thirty years, so I do have the the teacher uh the uh, uh yeah you totally thank you year four guys <laughs> yeah uh very yeah. good yeah you got it nailed <laughs> um. Or I like to think that you'd be um, a secret agent. I'd love to. Oh. I mean, apart from the fact I'm absolutely terrified of dying, like <laughs> being, being a spy. I, I once remember I had the most extraordinarily detailed dream where I was a spy and I was on some sort of holiday resort doing spying. <laughs> and then there was another man that I'd fallen in love with on this holiday resort. And it turned out he was also, also there spy. doing spying. So it was doing spying. <laughs> yeah. well, that's what they say, isn't it? <laughs> No, espionage, that's it. Not spying. <laughs> no, you spy. Doing I'm just spying, spying on someone. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. They, it was wonderful. They'd be lucky to have you. Well, yeah. You'd be very too. unsuspecting. I think so. Yeah. I always try and look a bit suspicious at airports just to see if I'd be taken off to be questioned. Wow, that is real privilege. Yeah, when I... Extraordinary white privilege myself. there. <laughs> I'm going to see how ah, far I can push it. Yeah, I'm going to look real shifty. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, I hate myself. Good. Yeah. Thanks for pulling me up on that, Ms. Nunn. I'm a big fan of interviewing two people. I just put a coin in, wind it up. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. No, I know, especially with us. Two. I think, yes, we, our plan for our concert is just yeah. to interview each other. And I'm starting to think it might be four hours long. It's going to be so long. Well, speaking of time, should we get to question two? Sure. <laughs> yes. Smooth. So, which musical score gets stuck in your head the most often? Okay, we're going to go faster with these ones. Yeah, all right. You know what? I get stuck in my head all of the time. Um, this is how it feels living on a hillside. When it goes, it's honey, I feel jittery, jumpy. I'm like a school going to Florida. Sorry, I'm singing it to Alex because she played it. South Pacific. South Pacific. Yeah, that's funny. God, I haven't thought. I get that one little bit stuck in my head all the time. Waiting for a dance. Yeah. <laughs> it is weird how you just get the phrase stuck in your head, isn't it? Like yeah. The whole song. Yeah. Or I tell you what else I got stuck in my head non-stop and I really resented it. Awesome. Was through the lockdowns when they would not stop barraging us with that bad Cinderella song. Oh, bad yeah. Cinderella. I haven't seen it. 
I did. But but just that song was that that was a real example where I was like, let us out. <laughs> it's like somebody take away their marketing budget because we were just so pounded with that one yeah, song nonstop. And that was very stuck in my head. Something I got stuck in my head recently over the winter um, after we did that Gatehouse show. And Alex, you covered I Remember by Molly Drake. Oh, yeah. oh. I was editing the video. And it just got stuck in my head. I had to extract the audio and put it on my phone so I could listen to it over and over. Such a beautiful song. Isn't it amazing? I had that stuck in my head nonstop as well. It's the most extraordinary song. I feel so smug. Oh, you should. Yeah. Come see Sad Funny Women. I've made her sing it again. Sad Funny Women. And you know what's really interesting about that is that years before, my mum sent me that song and said, you should sing this. And I listened to the first few lines and it was a very crackly old recording. Mm. And I was like, well, nope. And didn't <laughs> listen. And then when Alex started singing, I thought, I don't believe it. This is that song. <laughs> oh. And I was like, you fool. Yeah, such a good one. So good. Yeah. Uh, what do you get stuck in your head, Alex? Well, at the moment, it's all just standing at the sky's edge, which is a bit oh, of a That really successful show. That really successful show. I mean, yes, For another week and a half, maybe something like that. week and a half. I can't quite is that believe it. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that 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 musical is very, very much in my head. But I couldn't be happy about it because Richard Hawley's music is insanely brilliant. My brain doesn't have a lot of space for other things. No. Or apart from, uh, I did Into the Woods in the, last summer mm. at Theatre Royal Bath. And uh, I, I am over it, but my daughter is not. She's <laughs> oh. two and a half now. And I think she might be the only two and a half year old who pretty much knows the entire score of Into the Woods and she will not stop singing it. And she always says, I want to watch Into the Woods. <laughs> so that's in my head all the time. <laughs> that's incredible parenting. Yes. And she loves, um, there's a little bit in Hello Little Girl, she goes, you miss the night of flowers, the sun must have hours, take your time. So that's often in my head too. Ah, uh, yes, the pedophilia song. <laughs> I sang that at my mum's 40th birthday when I was eight years old. Cute. No idea of what it sounded cute. like. It was about. really cute. Oh, no, I didn't. Sorry. No, I, I didn't sing Hello, Little Girl. I sang I Know Things Now. <laughs> Hello, Little Girl would have been such a even weirder as a choice. I can totally believe you, you do. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Jesus. I shall sing both parts, <laughs> mummy. I shall be both Wolf and Little Red. I'll do an American accent for Little Red. <gasps> oh, gosh, right. Give us the Cute. next question. Yeah, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm glad I've got a function here. What is your favourite musical currently running in the West End? I'm very sad that Come From Away is closed because that would have oh, been my answer. Just a, And I wish there was weeks. more like it on. Mm. And I hope it goes on tour and that they cast me yeah. because it's just, uh, it's phenomenal. I mean, I really think Come From Away was one of the best new musicals to come out of the mm. last 20 years or mm-hmm. so. Um, I love Matilda. I, I haven't seen mm. it for years, but I think that that was another, you know, extraordinary score to come out. I'm really excited for Groundhog Day to come back. Mm. I, I probably would say that I think of all the sort of long runners. I think Matilda is the yeah. one that I find sort of the neatest and mm. the most moving. And to be honest, I haven't seen a lot. I haven't seen a lot no, of the stuff neither. I want to see. Like I haven't seen Oklahoma yet. Um, and, you know, there's shows that I, I think I probably will really like. I just haven't managed to see. But for me, you know, the... The West End is is one thing, but the rest of the country is another. And yeah. mm-hmm. I, for me, all, all the things I enjoy are nearly always not in the West End. Mainly because I've seen most of what's in the West End a hundred times. Yeah, and of with of course the casts are changing, and it's lovely to go and see new interpretations as much as they're allowed to be new interpretations in those shows. You know, you're basically you know, you're seeing the same show. Mm. Yeah. that you can't touch them. 
Um, it's nice to hear some of the same songs again, but hearing lovely. the same jokes over and over again and thinking yeah. it's... Yeah. 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 And it's also expansive. It's so expansive. Yes. So that's yeah. the other thing, is that it just... I I tend to find a lot of the stuff I see that I really love is either off West End or yeah. out of London. Or subs. Or subs yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Um, but I'm really looking forward to seeing Crazy Few because I miss it just, uh, and, yes. uh, just for a little bit of old school glam. Yeah. It'd be very lovely. What musical has made you laugh the most? My university production, I wasn't in it. I'd left uni by this time. Uh, so I went back to see it. They did a production of Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum. And I, I almost wet myself laughing. <laughs> very, very nearly. Very, very nearly. Yeah, it was extraordinarily funny. And it's just nonstop as well. You can't take a breath. It's. I'd love... It's a dicey one because the sexual politics are not beautiful. No. Not, I don't think they're as terrible as they might seem. I think, again, if you approach it with an interrogation head on and mm. I've seen quite a few productions recently where they play with the gender of pseudolus. I think that would be really exciting. And I think, yes, I, I think think that's what you kind of have to. Yeah. I think you could play with the gender throughout that cast. I think that yes. would be very exciting, but yeah, it's an extraordinarily funny script. The oh, It's just so rhythmic. It's so beautiful. And Ellie, I am very lucky to be involved with an amazing new musical called the night our parents disappeared. And it's the most bonkers thing <laughs> I've ever been in. It's more bonkers than our Anyone Can Whistle or uh -huh. Game of Love and Child. I mean, that level. Oh. It's about <laughs> it's about a little girl waking up in the middle of the night and her whole family has disappeared, except for her grandma. And it sounds all, that sounds hilarious. turns <laughs> out that babies have taken over the world. <laughs> <laughs> and I can only describe it as being somewhere between sort of Rick and Morty and the Powerpuff Girls and sort of this strange hybrid of maybe fairly odd parents or something. The the humour is so... I honestly, I don't... I just don't think I've ever found anything funnier. And the songs are so brilliant. And there's only five people. We play all of the parts. And I play a sort of uh, questionably Irish sort of childminder and an evil baby called Toby. And I make myself laugh so much with the... Honestly, the evil baby stuff is just... And there's sort of a spaceship. There's a bit where they end up on the moon with this madman called Andy who's been on loan on the moon for sort of 20 years or so it's so bonkers and uh I just love new musical theatre and I I love any opportunity to work on things like that but it's particularly um brilliant writing so where is that at the moment is it going to be coming back to London in point soon we did uh we've done a couple of concert versions of it at the other palace and then we went up to the curve no we didn't not the curve <laughs> we went to the Lowry I've tried to. Two great venues. We were so happy with it. And uh, I'm really hoping that it gets... Uh, I think it, it needs a couple of weeks somewhere just mm. at the turbine, at the other palace or something, just to get the opportunity for more people to see it. And But I'm, I'm a... I'm a uh, I love it in its concert form. I actually think it's funnier in concert form. It's like a mad radio play. Mm. And oh, it, it's so funny. Anyway, brilliant. Oh, that's something. Yes. I really want to see Operation Mincemeat as well. That's oh, it's so thing. good. That's another yes. thing I'm looking really forward to seeing I should have said end. that was my... Yes, I adored Operation Mincemeat and I yeah. forgot that that's gone into the West End. Yeah, I think it's opening in a week or two, yes. isn't it? It's really soon. soon. Massive good luck to see him. It's so brilliant. We're recording this at the wrong time. Just come from away closes and before yes. Mincemeat opens. Yes. I know. Gutted. So, question five. What is your favourite movie musical? Surely we're going to have the same answer. Well, I well, don't know. Are we? Okay. What do you think the other one would say? Well, mine's a toss-up. Yours is going to be... Oh, God. Ah, okay. Is it The Sound of Music? 
No. Is it singing in the rain? No, but now that now I'm like, oh crap, singing in the rain. But no. Is it it's a no, we probably don't know. Okay. Well, mine's West Side Story. Oh, oh, okay. Really? Yeah. Okay. It's two great movie musicals, it's West Side Story. I, and I loved both, actually. But the original will always be. It's just everything. I love in the original, I love the gangs so much and I love the cinematography so much. I just don't like the lovers very much at all. Oh, I, I just love them. I don't know. I just don't. I love it all. I don't mean, nothing will ever replace all. Natalie Woods. Don't you touch him at the end. It's, I just think it's one of those extraordinary bits of acting. And in the new one, even though I loved it, they have no chemistry. Oh, but it doesn't really. matter because it's <laughs> old. Yeah, it does. story. But when she really honestly, I, and what was interesting is I thought in the new one, I thought that their chemistry was extraordinary. But that last scene, it just can touch him. It's such an amazing choice. Yeah. West Side Story gets me so much that I actually walked in, I think. Christmas before last, my dad was watching it and I came in literally on that line and just burst into tears. It's, it's <laughs> oh. that quick. But singing in the rain is is it's is it's like a tonic. It's like yes. it's like the healthiest thing. I swear to God, if you're ever dead, singing in the rain is the best thing you can put on and just yeah. have on. Mine's a toss-up, uh, though. I do love singing in the rain, but yes, probably a toss-up between On the Town and High Society. And there was one Christmas, I think, where one was on after the other and I videotaped both of them. What a dream. So <laughs> I used to just watch On the Town and then High Society over and over again, mainly because I really fancied Frank Sinatra, which is troubling now to think I about really it. fancied Gene Kelly. Oh, see, I didn't when I was a kid, but I really do now. Yeah. Oh, those slacks. It's, uh, boy, more, uh. Yeah. Um, so yes, I love High Society. I think it's a deeply successful musicalization of a great play. Mm. I don't think it makes a very good stage, stage musical, mm, no, I must I say. Weren't you in it at one point? Oh, yes. Okay. Which was lovely, a lovely experience. But I think I, I saw I saw the flaws in it because obviously the Philadelphia story is such an amazing play. And then they had some of the songs from the film, but then some other Cole Porter songs were in there too. Okay. And it was neither beautiful, witty drama, nor was it really flashy, uh, mm. golden age musical delight. So it sort of didn't quite fulfill either of those promises. And so it, sort of, it sits somewhere in the middle. I love the one that the old Vic did. I thought, they, I thought actually Marie Friedman did... As, uh, did uh, a really fine job on that and it made it made it about as enjoyable as mm. she could and terrific cast mm. but yeah i love that and that's actually one where the two of the female characters are really terrific both yeah. tracy and liz are really excellent but yeah so it would probably be high society if i was pushed because that bing crosby and uh, louis armstrong and uh, and grace kelly she's so brilliant and that whole scene the flashback of true love with them on the boat on their honeymoon i just think that's the most romantic thing I've ever seen. So this is Alex Young and Ellie Nunn, such lovely people, two wonderful performers. Just wanted to pop up here to say you should follow these two on social media, as well as at Musical Theatre R for the latest news, reviews and interviews on everything on stage, backstage and worldwide. That's the train going past, don't let that bother you. And also you can follow us, the podcast itself, at at Musical Mare Pod. I also highly, highly recommend you get tickets for Alex and Ellie's show at the Crazy Cox on April 16th, as well as Merrily We Sing Along on Sunday, March 26th at the Gatehouse, Highgate, London. I'll be at both shows, so hopefully see you there. Now, back to the chat. Which musical might people be surprised to learn that you love? <laughs> okay, well, my absolute favourite musical, I think, if I was absolutely pushed for an answer, is probably Jesus Christ Superstar. No. Which might surprise people, yeah. It's a Lloyd Webber. I friggin' love it. 
I so find unexpected. it thrilling. I love it. I, wanna, I directed it at college. Oh, it was deeply pretentious, but actually really banging. <laughs> and I really, really want to direct it again. Um, with me as, uh, as Judas Clint. Yeah, sure. Oh. Why not me? With That'd me, be really great. In my, in my sometime classical legit style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Why did it? Jesus! Um, <laughs> That'd be hilarious. <laughs> oh, yeah, just for the lols. No, I just love it. I think it's a banging show. I think it's a... I think... I, I love... Uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber when he wrote with Tim Rice because it felt like an actual not an actual collaboration that sounds like he hasn't done actual collaboration since but he famously writes tunes first and the lyricist then has to mm. and I, I don't think that's how they did it when they were mm. writing Jesus Christ Superstar and Vita and Joseph I think you know it was more of a a trad arrangement where they came up with lyrics and music together although you know when uh, Rogers and Hart were writing together, Rogers come up with the tune and then Hart wrote lyrics to it. Like, it's not an unknown no, or a bad way to write. But I just, I love... You can feel the difference. You can you feel can the difference. Feel, I do think when you listen to something like what they've had with Cinderella now, where it does just feel to me that lyrics were being forced to fit into tunes that didn't necessarily fit, where you listen to something like You Must Love Me or to whatever, another suitcase, another one, and there, there's... The, there's beautiful simplicity in those lyrics and tunes and the marrying of those yes, together. Exactly. And mm. it's it's when I, I think he writes really well for character. It, mm. And musically, I think he writes really well for the characters in, in Jesus Christ Superstar. Like when the crowds are meant to sound stupid, the music sounds stupid. When it's, it's so true. When, it's, when they're intelligent people, the music's intelligent. Like it's, it's I think it's really And it has got extraordinary. Piece. One of my favorite numbers from Jesus Christ Superstar is the. Um, could the da, 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 what do I do now? Could, Could we start, start again, again, please? Yeah, that is amazing. such a beautiful sentiment and such yeah. a beautiful tune. And difficult, challenging mm. moment. Like I think it's I think it's a, a stonker and I love it. And superstar, clever lyrics. Yeah. And just to ah, and it's such a smart piece of writing that was all about style back then. It's about it, it fits within the style because he has two verses of genius, virtuosic lyrics where he is like the star of the show judas is finally getting his moment to be like ah here's 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 my take and it's hot and everyone's like yeah and then for the second two verses he basically sort of just descends into ad lib because he has nothing else to say and it's all great in the style because it's like lovely rocky poppy ad libby vocalizing but also the words are failing him Mm. because in retrospect what has he done and it's so i just think there's so much beautiful drama to play in that show and um i really want to get my hands on it um but the show that i loved that i think people might be like okay what i was bat out of hell i had (laughs) no i really did hard agree though it's so much fun isn't it it's so much fun but also i just think if you're gonna do a jukebox this is why i think mamma mia is great as well if you're gonna do like a jukebox with a new story rather than like a biopic or whatever you call it um you need to take the songs and understand the artist and then imagine like if the artist's broken down into a billion trillion little bits of themselves and then reformed into a musical that is what the musical has to be Mamma Mia is the perfect breakdown and reforming of ABBA yes that's so true you know it's a sunshine show Mm. but has like mega heart and Bat Out of Hell is Meatloaf in musical form it's batshit it's melodramatic it's warm it's sexy it's dangerous and it's just fucking great fun and the vocals i thought 
I, I, they were all these delicious low, I'm going to be really boringly technical here, but really low larynx belting. It was like chesty, mm. friggin' belting. Mm. There was no like twangy high crap. Yeah. It was super sexy. Twangy. No, but it was, it sounded, all those voices, they all sounded different and they all sounded really, it was authentically sung and mm. like the choreography was mad. The set, John Borsett's set was mad and like, and the end of Act One where he's on the motorbike and then the motorbike crashes and then, and then the motorbike reformed in the shape of a heart and then his heart starts bleeding. You're like, this is Meatloaf. If Meatloaf had directed this or drawn the pictures of this show this is what it would be mm. it's exactly that it, it's so theatrical anyway he's oh. so musical theater in all of his songs how do you like put that you on stage couldn't, you ramp couldn't it up. you yeah you couldn't do anything other than that out of hell. and i had the most i screamed several times at the most extraordinary time just that first note when it hits you everyone's oh. sitting there quietly and then suddenly there's That'll make you scream just yeah. out of fear god i loved it <laughs> yeah so yeah Bat of hell is probably my surprise my surprise hit no, Ellie, can you shock us? No, I doubt it. I um, I love Starlet Express for the memory of what it was and talking about a first note, sitting as a child. So Starlet Express was less my, I mean, it was my childhood, but it was more my little brother. It was his, it was his everything. So we'd go for every birthday or whatever with his friends. And I was like a bit older and I, it was, I was like a bit cool for Starlet Express at that point. And those like da 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 would start with the lights and everything. And I was just having the best time. <laughs> and the again, it's a bit like we're saying about cats. Like it just could never exist now and it could never happen <laughs> now. And the truth is you're never going to go back and listen to Starlight Express as a CD because they're not good songs. They are atrocious I'm sorry, lyrics. Freight. Freight is great. Is great brilliant. Is <laughs> it's brilliant. something but else. If a freight train could was sing, a human, it was totally. And it I'm would... also my and I know that my dad would so take me to task on this of saying that um, there is a lot of genius in those lyrics, but but it's Freight. not one that you listen to. But this is great. <laughs> Maybe that should go inside. It's funny women. Uh, it's hilarious. The uh, <laughs> it's great. We can be freight. Yes, we, we are, are great. great. Yeah, and right. <laughs> It's great. great. It just I'm again sorry. and again. One of my Brilliant. one of my greatest realizations was sat at a dinner party and discovering one of my friends and I knew the entire rap that starts the second half. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was thrilling. Oh, I'd forgotten about the rap. Yep. With like motivated, motivated, accelerated, diesel. Diesel. And then it's all like electricity. Yeah. Anyway, the uh and the other thing that I had as a guilty pleasure was I don't know if it would surprise people that a guilty as someone who's such an advocate of lyric and such an advocate of narrative mm. and and is so passionate and passionate about teaching people to stop oversinging or to stop putting the focus on the belt, I do like to go home and whack on a bit of Jekyll and Hyde or something. And hey. uh, someone like nice. I d- occasionally there's something quite satisfying about something that's got a bit of a naff lyric and it's not very actable, but like you just get to do it tiny belt. Um, I've never actually seen Starlight Express. That's one of mine, which I don't think I can appreciate because I've only ever listened to it. Um, that will probably be my answer to the next question, though, of what musical do other people really love that you don't quite understand whatever it is? Um, I don't think I could probably say a single musical. I don't think that'd be terribly fair, but um, I am never totally bothed by shows that are about vocal gymnastics. No, I had the same the same thing. If it hasn't got story, if it doesn't have good acting, good storytelling. The same sentiment of just, it's, it's always going to be about narrative for me. And mm-hmm. the second the lyrics are compromised by the vocal, and, and also this is personal 
to, it doesn't mean that there's anything. Some people go because that is what they want mm. from a show and that's fantastic and it's brilliant that there's an audience for it. Yeah. But I personally, uh, if I can't hear the lyric, it to I totally lose yeah. a kind of emotional engagement with it. Yes. Um, and also, and this isn't, I see there's a lot in it that I, I actually really like musically, but I guess my answer would be, I think I find Heather's quite tonally confusing in terms of, sometimes in in a new wave of quite like um teenage fandom musical theater there mm. can be a conflation of uh sort of wry like we're sending this up and a very earnestness mm. that i remember when i went to see heathers i thought i'm a bit confused at whether uh there's a song about date rape in it that felt very yeah. like it's fine because the tone is dark and shocking and and funny mm. which i was like okay i understand that but when it then goes very earnest or very like this is how the world could be or whatever i think i'm not i don't quite work i can't quite work out how these are in the same show in terms of and that's not to say you know it's been a huge success and it's fantastic that it gets young people into musical theater and i hope that for everything we've been saying with all of these there's always an understanding of the work that goes into things and the cast that perform them and it's fantastic but i think uh having been so raised on sometime and things like that i i think that sometimes that show is slightly having its cake and eating it and i i think actually that it's all there and the material is i, I actually really like the material mm. i think sometimes the i just because it confuses me doesn't mean that i can't learn what it is that people like i i, I just yeah. think that i i remember i wasn't quite sure how i was meant to feel at the end of it but which is fine yes what do we think is the most romantic musical would you consider yourselves romantic, sentimental sorts of people? Yeah. Oh, 100%. As well as being deeply jaded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. I hold both of those. I think, I think there's an inherent romance in a lot of the older shows. I mean, God, actually, you know what? I don't think this was my answer when I, when I wrote them down, but actually South Pacific felt deep. <laughs> Maybe it's just because I'm remembering <laughs> Snog and Julie Novenden. Mm. Gosh, that was romantic. <laughs> um, sorry, back in the room. Um, I think once feels very romantic, despite not being a traditional kind of romance story. Like mm. I just think some of that music and just the way that they make music together feels mm. incredibly Hugely. romantic to me. Go on. Oh, I'm still on West Side Story. I do it, like it's just that score and that, and also just that mm. total like blind faith in a romance that this I have this weird thing. My West Side Story makes me cry so much that I've actually been asked whether I might have some sort of trauma attached to it by ex-boyfriends. I've said, do you think something happened to you in your childhood while West Side Story was on the telly? But I think what it is is because I'm, <laughs> I'm also cynical and jaded, there's something about young people loving so wholly and like so... The, also the sort of naught to a hundredness of it that's so unrealistic. And also someone made a brilliant point to me once about... That kind of love where it's like where they said, but well, that love only exists because one of them dies. Like if they both survived, the love would go away. And I th and I remember, and someone said, I I'd just been what on a great. What is wrong with them? Who I'd made just them been cry? on a great first date with someone, and they were saying, yeah, if that person got hit by a bus on that first date. You'd think they were the great love of your life. And it's like, God, that's true. But the 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 I think that's why it's a good answer about like the romanticism is that the I actually maybe I'm not that much of a romantic and. Something in West Side Story makes me cry because it it hits something I find very hard to give over to. And the 
joy of that. For me, there's nothing more romantic than the song Maria and the an entire song about just not being able to stop saying that yeah. the way that someone's name now feels in your mouth. Yes. Is, mm. And the also any of that giddiness, that joy, it's, it's just magic. Yeah. Especially when you know that that guy singing it, this is what I always do with my students. I always say, just let's imagine your riff singing it because Tony's never been that guy. Like he's never been the guy to so like true. talk about because he's not Romeo. Romeo is a romantic. Yeah, Tony isn't. It's so true. Tony's a gang member. That's one thing I actually thought that the the new film did really brilliantly. That the old film, like we look at that guy and we're like, I'm sorry, but you were never in a gang. No, look at <laughs> you. And but what I thought the new film did very well was to constantly remind us of like who he was this, a killer. this kid was, and that I thought that was yeah, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Which musical have you not seen that you think you should? Standing at the sky's edge, obviously. You know what? That's my answer as well. <laughs> I need to get you a ticket when we're sold out. But I, I, I can, I can squeeze. You must. I'll squeeze you in. Just like, give me dates. The extraordinary standing at the sky's edge, starring right. Alex Young. Starring Alex Young. Um, yeah. Everyone should go see. I think you can still get day seats, can't you? you if can, you queue up at ten a.m. or something. Or if, if, you're, if, you're, if you know if you're someone, the what do I need to see? Yes, I have never seen a professional production of Cabaret. Nope, that's a. <laughs> I'm a. <laughs> cut, 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 cut. I have never seen a professional production of Company. Really? That is quite shocking. Or Cabaret. <laughs> or Cabaret. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a professional production of Cabaret. You know what? I'm going to say something shocking. Go on. I love Company. Yeah. Whenever I've seen it on stage, I always go, oh, Company's not as good as I think it is. You know what? Sometimes I think, every time I see a Sondheim show, I go, hmm. <laughs> but do you think the problem, is, I wonder what it's the problem is that we're so snobby yeah. about Sondheim that... People can only ever fall short of our expectations. I 100% think that. Like with um, with Into the Woods, I was very sorry I never saw yours, which I'm sure was absolutely perfect. That one was perfect, I'm sure. But um, all the rest, because I know it so well, I've seen every production do every joke perfectly and I can just make the perfect show in my head with little bits of each of them. So nothing can live up to that. And also, I think that part of the problem is that if you are passionate about performing something, it can Mm. be hard not to... I just can feel that I'm always a bit eye-rolly or a bit critical about everything I hear that's going to be done with something. And yeah. it does make a bit of me think, God, would I? Is, is there any production that I'd be pleased about? Well, I actually have just, having said that, there are two that I loved. I loved when Fiasco brought over Into the Woods. Yeah, no, I liked the, that the one. It always, it was very tricksy in terms of its sort of, um, sort of the, uh, the way they were... <laughs> Or double, double or yeah. triple cast. It was quite tricksy in that way. But actually, I thought their performances were all incredibly honest. No, I really liked it. And all of the um, Awakening songs, I Know Things Now, Giants, mm. Moments, uh, Steps, all made me cry. Like, I cried at I Know Things Now. I mean, Bad. So good. It was so good. because you'd have, I, you'd have cried at my mum's 40th birthday. I'm sure I done. <laughs> but it, that was the production that reminded me that uh, all those songs are not about they are about gaining and gaining experience, but they are about loss mm. and what happens when you lose innocence and that sort of strange middle ground you'll, you can you can straddle and how devastating that can be. And um, God, it was so brilliant. And the other one was John Dawes, Sweeney Todd. I loved that very hard. I've never enjoyed a Sweeney Todd other, other than that. And um, I think, so. and both of the thing that connects both those things is uh, live music making that you can see mm-hmm. because because then you can sort of see like the bones of the mm. music and therefore the bones of the characters in the story beautiful and the intimacy oh, let's say an intimacy and small yeah. small productions yeah a hundred percent same so with, maybe i have to say same with the the many a little light music that it, it, it was but again just intimacy yeah. bringing it right down that that conversational 
tone yeah. that you're afforded in intimate spaces that make you feel privileged to be there yeah. rather than sort of sitting back and going, all right, what's company? All yes. Yeah. Um, like yeah, I didn't see the pie shop, Sweeney, but I bet you I would have. Bet it, I bet I'd have loved it. I miss that, Sweeney. I would chose the E&O production. I thought I can only justify one of these Sweeneys with my yeah. mini and well, I think I might have chosen the wrong one. I'm well, you chose it. Emma. And she was fab, fab, fabulous. Oh, she was great. She, and terribly nice. Thing is, it's um, the Coliseum. So you're sat at the back of the balcony yeah. when you're a 20 year old Ian Bokeh. You can't afford yeah. anything. Yes. <laughs> I think a pie shop would have been a better experience. Yeah. Which musical's fictional world would you most like to live in? I would like to live in the world of Hades Town uh, for the dancing. Oh, uh, yeah, I just yeah. want to learn the dance breaks and the costumes. I just want to dress like all of them. Hades Town. I saw it over here, and then I went and saw it on Broadway a couple of months ago, and it was such a privilege to see so many of the same original cast who've now been in it for so many years. It has only got better and better and better. I couldn't have loved it more it reminded me why I loved theatre so much especially having had a period of my life where I'd been doing more screen and 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 also just more directing or, or stepping back in a way and going to see Hadestown made me go fuck I remember that that's what I wanted to do and that that's what new musical theatre can be like and that's what a company can be like and an ensemble and a, and also it's so the world of the show and the world of the play and the set it's all so cohesive it's the most cohesive production I think I've seen in years and I just think it's extraordinary and inevitably you know over years I wonder whether you'll ever be able to kind of recapture the magic of that first sort of there's this sweet spot between when you've been with something for years and you develop it Mm. and then Mm. and then it becoming kind of long running and stuff and it's just at such a magical place right now so Ellie wants to live in ancient Greek hell and (laughs) Alex where do you want to live um it's not a fictional world but I I probably yeah turn of the century Sweden a la little little night music I mean maybe apart from the madness of the sun the sun won't set um but even that I just as particularly Desiree's life of just wandering around with her maid each drinking beer and eating sandwiches after a performance I mean I mean, it's not Wait, when dissimilar you, like, to my life. I was going to say, yeah. not wild. I just don't have a maid. I'll stay. Oh, going all the way back. To, that's another one where down the line, I guess I, I just hope that we end up doing mm. like music. Mm. And that's another one where he kind of got close to. Yeah, I think what's with amazing Charlotte, with Sondheim, yeah. yeah, and Anne's brilliant too, actually. Well, and and so Petra. Petra, like they're they're yeah. brilliant. And I think what's amazing with Sondheim is how many with Into the Woods and I Don't Like Music and even Merrily, although I know that I'd want to play Mary, but that that the fact that I go, oh, I don't know, oh, but then, mm. oh, but I quite like to do that. Mm. The fact that whoever I played in Into the Woods, I'd be jealous of what someone else was doing, mm. and it'd be the same in I Don't Like Music. And I think that shows the closest to having multifaceted, multi-layered mm. women on stage. If you if you wish you could play all of them mm. so I, I i don't know i think that's mm. speaking of new productions if you were to direct a radical restaging of a classic musical what would you choose to do i was supposed to be uh oh sorry <laughs> and it's such a perfect time to do assassins as well yes i was i was going to be directing a production of assassins this year um which unfortunately isn't able to happen but uh was something i was very much looking forward to in terms of how extraordinary uh it is that that show exists in the light of modern america and in particular you know january 6th and the insurrection and this complete sort of overspilling of emotion in america and of anger and what's so extraordinary is that that show so directly lays out uh the pathways that led to 
that moment and America's sort of obsession and love-hate relationship with this American dream and the individual's right to make the America that they think that it, it should be and that it should look like. And I just couldn't believe how rich that show was. All of the material was there for the obsession with individualism. And also, it's so easy to dismiss this group as madmen and as a world away from us and for the left to kind of go go aren't they silly and sort of the south or whatever and what's so extraordinary about assassins is that it makes you sit up and listen and listen to the anger and you listen to another national anthem and it's so uncanny that that mm. was written all that time ago and that it's about saying if you ignore us we will make ourselves be heard and that it's such a dangerous thing for the left to dismiss mm. and to not actually try and understand what that polarization is and how much of it comes from fear and anger and an anger at feeling unheard for so many years and mm. I just I think it's the most extraordinary time for that musical to be on um and I think Polly Finley will do the most brilliant job at Chichester because she's fantastic yeah, you speak so intelligently it's ridiculous <laughs> I just come on and go <laughs> um I would love to, it's very interesting because obviously I'm sitting here talking with, with you, um, taking a war horse, I think, and doing what I think was originally done by these brilliant directors, Trevor and Hal Prince, and people who were so firmly fixed on uh, human dramas within these big spectacles of shows like Les Mis and Phantom and a lot. Um, but over time, of course, you know, they they sort of almost become sort of franchises in, mm. a, in a way because the original work is protected, quite rightly. But then that is an interesting... It comes to an interesting thing about when you go and see those shows now. It's like you see the the... the you see the original work, but because it's not come from the people that are currently doing it, not completely come mm -hmm. from them, it's it's sort of it slightly gives me the heebie-jeebies because it's sort of live and it's not live. It's sort of imaginative and not imaginative, and it's I, I never quite I never quite know what it's I'm quite unsettling. It no, is. I know exactly what you mean. So I think I want I want those productions not that I want your dad to be without royalties, but I, I want <laughs> those productions to be released sometimes because I'm like there's brilliant stories there and brilliant things about the human condition and the challenges and, and complexities in people. I, I mean, I'd love to do a phantom that's that's. I mean, it sounds ridiculous because it's set in a bloody opera house, but in a small space with just focusing on the 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 absolute f up that both Phantom and Christine are. They're both so interesting mm. as characters, and I love just to like just get my teeth mm. into a warhorse like that. Next question: the big question: if you were the mayor of musical theatre, if you had that power, which show would you get <laughs> staged forever so you can go see it whenever you want and in which venue? This is really conveniently leads on from what Alex just said, but mm. uh, and is the opposite of what you just said, <laughs> uh, which is, I it honestly breaks my heart slightly that the original production of Les Mis no longer exists anywhere, mm. and the reason being, I I just couldn't agree with you more on everything you just said, and I I also really wished that a new production had been made that was had reinvented it and was new and was, I think that would have been so exciting and it would have felt like a real passing of a baton mm. of like, you know, that's what it was. But now, like, look how current and how much this speaks to people and how much perhaps in order for it to run another 30 years, this is what it needed. As I think that would have been exhilarating. Uh, what makes me sad is that I think that Les Mis 
more than any other production, really did somehow manage to keep with an extraordinary um, resident director a, a sense of what the original had been about. And it was so incredible across my life. I can only describe that show as being a bit like a sibling or your family home or something. It was there always. It was there before I was there. It was there 10 years before I was around or whatever. Mm -hmm. And growing up into it, and every time I would see it, right from when I was eight years old through to when I was in my 20s, it never felt like it lost what it was about. And that at the end, when they sang, when they did the repeat of Will You Join In Our Crusade, and they took this half a step forward, and the lights come up slightly, and it turns it out to the audience, and it honestly makes me choke up even talking about it, that this sense of the what the message of that show was, mm -hmm. and about saying, will you fight for a better tomorrow, and what they had wanted all those years ago, and I just really felt that it had been kept, and I felt so proud whenever I would take anyone to go and see it. I felt this enormous sense of like, this is a part of my family and my and I it just used to and to be able to to say you know this is what like, had come out of of you know um that period of time I just thought it was exceptional and it really breaks I've, I get really sad it's little things like I'm in a new relationship and that person will never see that I'll never get mm. to say look this yeah. was a, a huge part of my life and like I say, I, I totally agree with you that I think those things should be reinvented, but selfishly for nostalgia, if I could yes. keep one thing I could go and watch whenever. And the fact that there's no, it's not, it doesn't exist anywhere. That's a remarkable thing. It was so big for so long. And I think we just yeah. assumed it would always be there. And so yeah. no, you know, uh, just extraordinary. Well, that's a very strong case. Alex, can you make a better case for being the mayor of musical theatre? No, <laughs> no, I can't. That was beautiful. And, and what, and gorgeous to know that, it was so well maintained. Yeah, really, really. And it really it makes sense as to why people that were in it in those days, as in pre the pre the the event, that uh, the actors are just it's very, it's held very 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 totally. deeply in their hearts, isn't it? Um, which is gorgeous. Um, oh Christ! Now mine's going to sound so pat, <laughs> but I think. Having never actually seen a professional production of Cabaret, I think if I could have the Judy Dench playing Sally Bowles in Cabaret running, at least I could see it at least once. I probably would want to see it a hundred times. To see a, a woman who would never have called herself a singer or a dancer, mm -hmm. or and who frequently, you know, referred to herself as being like a, a short, uh, a, a perimenopausal dwarf, you know, she, uh, her words. Um, <laughs> It's, you know, playing that role. It's so important for that role as well. And I think it's what I, and yeah. it's, I, I know that Alex and I both feel passionately about this, that it, the, the misunderstanding, I think she's described as an ordinary girl who thinks she's extraordinary or something, that it's, that's exactly why someone like that should be playing it. And that the yes. second it's someone exceptional at dancing or singing or whatever, then why is she in a, club in yeah. Berlin yes. that it's um, I mean Liza Minnelli's incredible but it's it's, it's but not it the point wrong. of the play yeah. <laughs> oh I do love her in that film oh, sure and like wonderful because oh, she's got she's got the what Judy has oh, in um, in Wizard of Oz you know that slightly unsettling quality of always being slightly on the verge of tears that Judy has in Wizard of Oz and Liza has in Cabaret that I'm like there is so much wrong with you and yet you're giving me nothing but sunshine and I love it. It's, yes, it is it's exceptional. Unreal. Um, but yeah, so yes, probably that. But that's not very, uh, that's not very moving. No, it was great. Well I, I didn't, um, <laughs> I didn't well up. 
as you did when you were talking about yours. Yeah, sorry. No, it's fine. Good. You can both be mayors of musical theatres of different fine, towns. Right. Yeah. Maybe Ellie can have London dance. and you can... Yes, Ellie can have... Yours sounds more fun, to be honest. <laughs> and... Yeah, fine. Lovely. I wish more parts that they would do, that they would step away from this dated sense that uh, the... F- I mean, this is so obvious and, you know, I'm not saying anything new here, but, you know, the funny women have big boobs and and character and the thin, slender... Um, Willow. Willow. Wave. Willowy women uh, sort of... Get to be serious. S- get to be serious. Yes, you can't be serious if you've got tits. Maybe that's what we should have called our show. <laughs> you can't be serious if you've, if you've got, got tits. tits. But you didn't. And instead you called your show... <laughs> Sad, sad funny, funny women. women. <laughs> I never know if it's funny, sad women or sad, funny women. So I end up just going sunny, sad, fad. Funny, sunny and it's playing at the Crazy Cox on what date? April 16th. So if you want, if you want part two of this podcast, go to there. So I imagine these two are still going to be talking, having the same conversation until that date. Alex has to go and perform oh, in Standing at the Sky's Edge now. So I'm going to have to cut it off. I'm very sorry, oh, listeners. But thank treat. you both for joining us. Thank you for being excellent mayors of musical theatre. Thank you thank so you. much. Good luck editing. Goodbye. Oh, good. Thank you. So that was Ellie Nunn and Alex Young. Lovely, lovely people, both of them. Yes, they're both powerhouse performers who you should definitely go see live. April 16th, Crazy Cox for their show together. And you can also see Ellie, the wonderful Ellie, on March 26th in Merrily We Sing Along, the Stephen Sondheim Society event. It's going to be a really fun sing-along to celebrate Sondheim's birthday. It's upstairs at the Gatehouse in Highgate, London. So this has been an extra long episode, as you'd expect with two guests. So what did you think about that? Do you like having more content? Was it a bit too busy with two? I had a great time recording it, but do let me know your thoughts on it. And, you know, maybe we'll listen to you. Maybe we won't. We'll see how it goes in the future. Um, Let us know on the social media. We're at Musical Pod. And while you're there, make sure to follow at Musical Theatre R2. We'll be back next week with another incredible stagey guest. Have a lovely week. Keep it musical. Bye bye.